Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and very insightful. That news. If you do have any questions about your plant world, though, you can just give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And we'll do the good gardening stroll in a few seconds, but... uh, After that, of course, we can talk about what's happening to your trees, your perennials. What's going on with that ground cover? How come it's getting really thin and not looking so good? Or we can step inside and take a look at your tropical world. Uh, How about the routine care? Should you be doing anything? Fertilizing, repotting this time of year of your tropical house plants, whether they're inside or out on your deck or I think it was last week we had somebody that said they had plants out on their deck that the groundhog was sleeping in. I still had a, hmm, about a groundhog. Groundhogs are pretty darn big, so if they had a groundhog sleeping in a pot on their deck, <laughs> that would be scary. Anyway, enough of that stuff. And uh, by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you having me into your and asking me into your plant world. Another very important player is Drew. He answers the phone. He's a producer, so he does all kinds of stuff. And uh, by the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides the Saturday morning get-together, I can come to your plant world and do an on-site consultation, which I call a walk-and-talk. And And, uh, that's the recommendations and evaluations and Oops, you shouldn't have put these two things together because they don't like it uh, being so close to each other because they're going to overgrow. Anyway, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Ah, the east end of Tower Grove Park, off Grand. That's the stoop. Center sits there. And uh, at first, though, you'll pass a Sons of Rest Pavilion, which was built in 1872. It's really kind of an ornate one. And uh, as you walk uh, you know, past the pavilion or drive past it, uh, driving past it, it is a dead end, so just keep that in mind. And anyway, you're going to see some southern evergreen magnolias, upright junipers, saucer magnolias, and 
the saucer, it's a little bit tough to tell if it was a saucer magnolia, but I think pretty much it was just from its, you know, the way the trunk looked and the size. But they're already setting their flower buds. So that shows you if you do pruning on magnolias this time of year, you're cutting off the flowers for next spring. There was another evergreen magnolia, though, the southern magnolia, and it was dedicated to Audrey and May Howdershell. So... And then outside this, uh, the Stoop Center, interesting shaped building. And the foundation plantings included creeping flocks, some perennial geraniums, which were in bloom, some gray foliage yarrow, which the yellow flowers looked really good. There was boxwood and yews, which were hiding the uh, air conditioning units. And then along the ground, there was some, uh, I couldn't tell if it was Baltic or English ivy. Along with there was American hollies across the, probably like four or five around the building. The atras, they were rocketing up with those purple flowers. And uh, yellow cone flowers were there as well. And also purple cone flowers too. So lots of runners all over the place, dog walkers and everything else. I was really surprised how many, because I was there a little bit early. And speaking of early, when I stepped outside this morning, I, I looked at the computer. I always check the temperature before I head out. And uh, I thought, hmm, mid-60s, that sounds pretty good. I stepped outside and went, whoa, this is a little cooler than I thought it would be. But uh, I still thought, uh, gave a sigh of relief because it felt really kind of nice. Anyway, back to the Good Guarding Stroll. There was iris there, which had finished blooming. And the uh, foliage was starting to turn brown. So this is a time of year when you can certainly cut back your iris foliage. There was uh, boulders, some nice-looking boulders in a drainage system, which catches the water that runs off the roof of the stoop center. There was birds and crickets were singing as the sun climbs higher and higher into the sky. And further down towards the dead end of this street that goes past the stoop center, there's some, if you like to play horseshoes, there's some horseshoe pits. There's a massive oak there. There's a perennial garden there. And at the very end where the road actually closes, there was a massive or huge crepe myrtle. And the red, pure red color was really very striking. So it was telling you, in other words, this is a big stop sign and you cannot go beyond this point. So... It was just a nice walk place, and uh, I don't think I've really you know, paid that much attention to this part of the Tower Grove Park. I've been all over the place over the years with uh, good gardening strolls and everything else, but I don't think this is my, or I do think this is my first time in this particular location. So it was nice to see, just like all Tower Grove Park. And Tower Grove Park, we can thank Henry Shaw for Tower Grove Park because as he started the Botanical Garden, what he did is Tower Grove Park was his farm so he could grow some food. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I'm grateful for all the rain. It makes it so you don't have to water so much. And this, you know, I mean, it's hard to say that this year just seems greener and brighter than it has for the last couple years. So... Thank goodness for Mother Nature providing us with some extra rain. So, again, 
436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open, but let's start the morning off in Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Yeah, Mike, did I hear you right? Did you say I could cut my irises back? Yes, you can cut the foliage. Now, these are the traditional flag-type iris, not the Siberian or the Japanese iris. Leave those alone because the foliage on those are still green. No, they're still, uh, this is the regular ones. Okay. Yeah, you can cut them back down to about uh, two to three inches. All right. That's what I wanted to hear. I'm going to try to pull them brown tips. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy. All right. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And now let's go over to John Jart. Hi, John. Good morning, Mr. Miller. Good morning. I have a problem with a couple of burning bushes that the previous owner put in. Uh, they are at about a 45-degree angle from the curb. The bases are about 30 inches apart. The one closest to the street uh, is a, less than three feet from the street. And last summer, somebody came along and whacked off the street side of the bush, and I wasn't sure it was going to make it. Now, I have stood between the bushes and hand-pruned from inside. Problem is, I also fertilized them two separate years back in the uh 06 and 08, and unfortunately, the bushes now are front to rear about six feet wide and about eight feet tall. Right. And I don't want to just take a hedge clipper to them, but I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss of what to do. There's not really too much you can do. This is when, you know just one of those circumstances where too often people plant for the size that the plant is when they're putting it in the ground, never planting on the mature size. And this is just going to be a continuous nightmare for you. It'll just keep going and going and going until maybe you're going to be pruned. It's going to be pruned enough to fit into the spaces. And uh, then it'll kind of lose its aesthetic value. So what you need to do is really decide if you want to leave them and keep fooling with them or if you want to choose something that's going to be a little bit smaller for that space. Thank you, sir. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for giving, having me on your show. And let's head over to Elizabeth's yard now. Hi, Elizabeth. Good morning. Good morning. I have grass problems. I, I, my lawn was beautiful about two, two years ago. Then all of a sudden last year, I started getting a lot of violets. I think I had, um, it's either Bermuda grass or zoysia grass. I'm not sure which one it was. But all of a sudden, it started dying out, and violets started taking over. Um, so I've decided to dig up all the violets. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's something. And uh, replant. But I don't know if I should use zoysia plugs or get Bermuda seeds well you probably i mean which one oh i would say go with the zoysia the bermuda grass i mean it can survive here and everything else it just doesn't have quite the aesthetic value that the zoysia does 
the Zorza has, uh, it's a little bit tougher, though the Bermuda can be invasive in its own way, but the Zorza just looks healthier, let's put it that way. It's a darker green as long as you keep it fertilized. So that's probably my recommendation. But I admire you if you dug up all the violets. I'm in the process of digging them up, yes, because I hate those things. (laughs) (laughs) They're just so ugly. It looks like a cancer taking over the yard. (laughs) It really does. So I need Zoysia. But Zoysia does it. I was reading on it, and they, they prefer plugs as seeds. Well, yeah, you can't really, in this region, grow Zoysia from seed. You either have to get pieces of sod, so in other words, large pieces, or get flats or trays that have plugs in them. So it just depends yeah. on what you want to do. But, yeah, skip the seed. Skip the seed and go with the sod right. or the plugs. Right. Got it. And what should I do to take care of it? Because I, obviously I had it at first and something happened and it died. I guess that's why the the violets kind, kind of took started invading it right so uh i heard that you were supposed to dethatch it or something yeah i mean you can do that even with just a regular leaf rake you can get a mechanical dethatcher you're not going to need to do it for the first couple years while it's getting Mm -hmm. established but also probably starting late april early may depending upon the weather Fertilize it with a fertilizer formulated for lawns, for, you know, the zoysia, and fertilize it monthly all the way through August. Okay. Because that's, you know, that's, it's just, it's a food that's needed. And also, hopefully, I mean, if you had successful growth in the past, that probably means your ground is kind of adequate. But maybe even before you start putting the plugs in, you should have uh, somebody come in and do some core aeration. That's what a machine that takes plugs out of the ground. So in other words, they look like wine bottle corks. They uh-huh. pulls them out of the ground and then put about a half inch of compost on top of the ground. And that'll fall down in the holes to enrich your soil before you start spending money on any kind of new sod or yeah, sod or plugs. Okay. That sounds interesting. Uh, can you rent that thing, or does somebody have to come out? And yeah, do you're it? probably going to have to get somebody to do it. Uh, renting it, you know, you may be able to rent it. I don't think so, but if you could find it, not. I mean, using it is not easy. It's not like using okay. a mower or something. Okay. All right. Well, thank you much. Sure, my pleasure. And good luck with that. And yeah, it's uh, sometimes kind of depressing when. You've got a healthy lawn that all of a sudden just starts declining. But uh, several different factors. I mean, also with the, you know, our weather is just so screwy and we're on that sort of marginal northern edge of the Zoys success. So with certain exposures and certain weather factors and things like that can lead the, to the decline of a Zoysia as opposed to like uh the heat of our summertime makes the bluegrasses have a very, very tough time. So let's head over to Steve's yard now. Hi, Steve. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I have three uh, Korean spice viburnum plants. Ah. Uh, they're on their third year, and the first year, I, we were lucky if we got one or two blooms on them. Last year, we got a few, 
and and this year um, we got a couple blooms on one of the plants, and now we have these little uh, groups of what look like buds that haven't opened up or done anything yet. And I'm just wondering, is this thing going to start? Are they going to start blooming again at this time of year? Generally not, but, I mean, it could be the case. They could have gotten messed up. But are you sure those are actually buds and it's not like a fruit that as a result of when it did flower, it got pollinated and for, and then consequently formed a small fruit as opposed to a flower bud? Does it look like well, a flower bud? It it does, but it, I, I get now that you bring up a fruit. I guess it could be something, but it's 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 smaller than a pea. Let's yeah. put it that way. I think you know. To me, it sounds more like it's the fruit because viburnums, just in general, whether it's the Korean or the other varieties, do uh-huh. after they finish flowering get they can get pollinated, and then we'll have some berries or fruit or whatever you want to call it. Okay. And and uh, last week I heard uh, a bunch of uh, ideas for keeping squirrels off your uh, bird feeders. Right. I zip tie one end of a slinky to the top of a single shepherd's hook. Ah. And it slides down, and after they try and go up three or four times, they don't bother trying it anymore. Oh, really? Well, that kind of sounds yeah. a little more interesting than the grease and uh, grease oh, yeah. and Vaseline. This is, <laughs> that was yeah, a... this is this is pretty clean. Ah. And the only thing they will do is they'll hang around the bottom for all the extra seeds that the birds throw off. Sure, <laughs> I but guess they won't that's find fair them too. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. Well, great. Well, thanks for that insight. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And now let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. My question is, how do I get rid of clematis, that vine? So you just don't like it because you don't like the flowers? Or usually people want clematis. Or is this... It's just just a vine that's growing in the yard in the grass. It has a very deep root and... uh, when I looked it up, it said it was invasive. There are some clematis that are invasive, but usually that's a sweet autumn clematis, and they really uh, they have to you know they have to come from some place. But any vine at all, you can just use a broadleaf weed killer if it's in your lawn areas. Okay. So like a you know weed be gone that type thing. Now, are you sure these are clematis and not? Uh, just like bindweed, which has a white flower this time of year. This, when I went to the PlantNet uh, app that I have, it identified it. Uh, most of the identification was on sweet autumn clematis. Right, which is invasive. But that, okay. you know, so, I mean, it can, the seeds, you know, when it flowers, then it'll produce seed. And the seeds can, you know, end up in lots of different places, so it can be invasive. But usually for that to happen, you had to have some in close proximity to have it starting in your yard. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. Okay. Well, just go after it with, a, like, a broadleaf weed killer, 
And just with any kind of herbicide or really any kind of chemical, just make sure you read the label before you do any kind of applications related to anything at all as far as temperature-wise, you know, the amount. And if it says to put one tablespoon per gallon, don't put two thinking it's going to be more effective because that's not necessarily going to be the case. So just follow all the rules that were set up by the, the company that made the product that you're using. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to John Jard. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. Yes. Um, I have some hydrangeas in my yard and last year i last spring of 22 i i really hit them hard with the sulfur to acidify the soil and they bloomed great this year uh after the winter it took them a really long time to begin to leaf out and really a lot of the uh the standing uh stems that i left didn't get buds on them so i have a whole bunch of dead growth in the middle of them did I do something wrong, or should I just cut them all the way back and let them start? You don't have to cut them all the way back, but any of the dead stuff, go ahead and remove. And the hydrangeas, depending upon exposure and variety and various factors, had a real difficult time this past year with the early cold weather that we had, then with the dry and the over amount of rainfall and then drought again, and it was just, it really kind of goofed them up, so... Any of them that have not pushed out any kind of foliage at all, just you can cut those off to remove it and just to improve the aesthetics and just uh, kind of keep your fingers crossed that our weather will, you know, not be quite as exaggerated as it was this previous or this past year. Okay, should I should I acidify the soil some more? No, you don't year? need to. I would say the best thing to do rather than just doing that would be to have a soil test done. You can have it done by the University of Missouri Extension. You can go online, and they can take the samples. Uh, There's actually an office in Kirkwood. I don't know exactly where you live, but uh, anyway, you can ship them to University of Missouri, but find out what your soil pH is before you start adding too much because you could make your soil too acidic and cause problems from that factor, so just uh, don't just assume that you had the great bloom just because you happen to put uh, some acidifier on it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's see. Where should we go? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Denny's. Hi, Denny. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hey, this is my first time for trying to grow pumpkins. Um, I started them from seed inside, uh, transplanted them outside about the middle of May. And the plants are great. They look really nice. Their vines are about 15 foot long and probably have 15, 20 blossoms on them. Wow. But no pumpkins yet. Um, So what should I expect? Well, I just kind of keep your fingers crossed. So, I mean, you should start, you should have already started to see some, you know, some fruit set. But not necessarily, I wouldn't be overly concerned. It's still just mid-July. So you right. should, you know, within a month or so, if you don't see any fruit set, then uh, 
you know, they weren't pollinated. And consequently, without pollination, then they can't form any kind of fruit. Okay. Should I uh, pinch off any of the blossoms with that mini on there? or I would say no. <laughs> okay. okay. That's not going to make any right. difference because the ones you leave doesn't necessarily mean that those are going to get pollinated. Well, I was just wondering if, uh, you know, it would take too much to uh, supply the food to the all of the blossoms, and some of them may not get very big. Or Well, what I would what? do is if you start to get the fruit set, then – Let's say you have 15 different uh, pumpkins on one vine, which is exaggerated. You're never going to have that many. But you got to reduce the number. It's just like on any kind of fruit, you know, whether it be a tree or a vine or anything else, reducing the amount of fruit is going to make the, the fruit that stays much better as far as health-wise yeah. and everything else. Okay. Well, hopefully some uh, pumpkins will show up, and then I can go from there. Right, Appreciate exactly. it, Mike. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head and see what's going on in Dave's yard. Hi, Dave. Hey, Mike. Uh, hey, quick question for you. Uh, my wife and I are getting ready to sell our house. Been in it for 28 years. We've, we've got beautiful hospice that come back every year bigger and bigger. Uh, any recommendations on how we can successfully uh, remove those and transplant them. Uh, just curious. Uh, if you're going to do it, uh, fall is the best time to do it, late spring or late summer and early fall. And uh, just get them really watered well and uh, get them into, get the no location that you're going to put them in prepared before you, you dig them up in your, you know, your existing home to move them. So preparation ahead of time is probably going to be to the best advantage. And doing it in the fall is by far the best time to transplant pretty much anything because the ground is warm. That will help the root system to get established, and then the plants get to go to sleep during the wintertime. You usually cut them down in the fall, so I could cut them down and then dig around and just take the root system and transplant it. Exactly. Okay, great. Thank you. Yep, my pleasure. And let's see, should we take another call? Yeah, why not? Let's go to Martha's. Hi, Martha. Hi, good morning. Um, I have, uh, I, uh, we call it a paper bark maple, a Chinese maple. Mm -hmm. And um, on the, the, the very top, it's getting very sparse. Now, there's a lot of new growth underneath, but um, we have some dead branches and I mean, there are no boreholes, uh, the, the leaves aren't looking wilted or anything. We just don't understand what's happening. gets plenty of sunshine. Um, I, can you tell us what might be what we should be looking at, or um, what this, do you think could be the problem? Uh, this is just a genetic problem with the plant, just kind of in general. So it's not uh -huh. necessarily one that's robust here you know, completely. So how uh -huh. old is a tree? Well, let's see. It was probably a 10-year growth, and we put it in 23 years ago. Right. So it's an age factor, and lots of different things are just playing a role. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this our weather is not ideal for it. So that plus the fact of its age, that's what's causing the aesthetic value to be somewhat diminished at the top. 
Oh, that's too bad. Should can can we should we maybe prune the top and allow all this new lushness underneath? Um, would that help it? Well, it's not going to make the top you know get thick. I mean, you could right. do that so you don't have to look either that or just don't look up at the top. That's disappointing <laughs> to you. Yeah, it it is quite disappointing. <laughs> Okay, so you—it's—it's it's just the nature of the beast in this climate. Exactly. I see. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's go to Bernice. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I've got a question about. I need some tulip bulbs that I have to move due to uh, moving. And uh, is it? Can I dig them up any time now? And I'm going to relocate them uh, permanent or uh, temporarily. Uh, to be honest with you, it's a lot of work and I don't know if you're going to have good success with it. I would think you're better off just to invest in some new tulips unless these are very old historic ones because the tulips are really only going to be functional from an aesthetic standpoint, flowering wise for any place, probably maximum is going to be about four to five years and then they're going to stop flowering and just producing foliage. So I would think you're better off just to buy some new tulip bulbs rather than go to all that work. Okay, but I don't mind the work trying to save them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can do it, but uh, the chances of success are going to be, you know, somewhat minimal. Maybe dig up, you know, one or two. I mean, you're just going to have to be really careful digging them, too, because you don't know exactly where they are. You're just going to have to dig up, you know, you know how deep you planted them, either four to six inches deep. And just, you know, pop them up out of the ground and then take a look at the individual bulbs and see how they feel and everything. And any of them that are at least a bit soft, don't, you know, don't transplant those. And any of them that are hard, what you need to do is just let them dry out and just like, uh, you know, put them in paper bags. And then when you get to the new location, plant them that way as opposed to trying to put them in a pot and moving them because that's not going to probably make any difference for them. Because once you pull them up out of the ground, it's going to kind of mess up their sequence. Right, yeah, and I've stored some in brown paper bags before. Right. Um, I, I, I will be able to plant them in a new lo- temporary new location right away, but should I wait till the fall? Yeah, so I would say the- wait till the fall. Okay, and is there a good way to tell? And I've got daffodils mixed in there, too. Is the any possible way to tell the difference between a daffodil bulb and a tulip bulb? Yeah, the shape is going to be different. The tulip is more round, isn't right. it? Okay. Okay, that's my that's my questions. And uh, should I fertilize with anything when I put them back in the ground? No. <laughs> okay. Just make sure the soil that you're putting it into has been enriched, you know, with compost and organic matter and things like that. And just make sure it's a well-drained circumstance. Okay, and I plan on putting like a screen, not a screen, but some kind of netting over top so the deer squirrels don't dig them up uh, (laughs) first. (laughs) Um, Okay, good, and thank you for hosting our show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. 
Back after these messages. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have some uh, green giants, Suja green giants that are on their second year, and they're really starting to take off. Right. A um, few of the bottoms where the uh, some of the branches or leaves touch the ground have some discoloration like some silver to rusty color is that something that i need to trim off so they don't get disease from the ground or what would you think that may be no it's tough to say it's probably just lack of sun you know in the location they are as opposed to you know being something problematic but it you know it shouldn't really be happening in a two-year circle you know if they've only been in the ground two years but uh it's uh i would say just don't bother with it you know, just leave them alone. Okay. Great. Thanks for your help. Sure. <laughs> and, of course, if they get worse, you may end up having to limb them up a little bit, but uh, you shouldn't have to. So hopefully when you planted them, they were planted with the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. That's really important. So, I mean, the lower branches can start discoloring if they were planted at grade, the top of the root ball at the same level of the soil they're being grown in, there's going to be some settling, some sinking, and then that could be additional moisture around the trunk and slash root system, and that could lead to some decline. So just keep that in mind as well. Let's go over to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. I have a question. I've got um, a river birch. It's a by kind of thing where it's you know coming two large trunks coming out of one main trunk right if, okay and it's about 25 feet high it's about 20 years old the one side is dying off it does not have any leaves on it Ooh. and i cut that side off and hopefully the other side will prosper oh yeah or, you should be able to why the okay. one side you know went to into a decline it's you know difficult to say but 
just also watch where the the split of the trunks are and see if there's a crack in that you know in that location. Okay. Okay, so it doesn't indicate there's a problem with the entire tree, just that side. Right, exactly. So in other words, there's a crack or, or something happened to one particular side mm-hmm. as opposed to another. It's so ornamental and beautiful. I, I just, I'm not sure how it's going to look when I take the one side down. <laughs> well, you if know. you're used to a split trunk, it's going to look a lot different, let's put yeah, it that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if I should pull the whole thing and start over. Well, I mean, you've had 20-year investment, so... Yeah. You could certainly do that. There's nothing wrong with it, but you're not going to be able to plant right in that same location because of the existing root system is going to make it impossible to grow something in that. Even if you have the trunk or the trunk take you know ground out and or the stump ground out and everything else, it's going to be impossible. How far away from the trunk do I need to plant something new if I do? Probably, I would say, if you got the op- opportunity, probably like 15 feet. Ooh, okay, that's not going to be possible. So I'm just... Now, why is it? Is it because that tree has taken all the nutrients out of that area or something, or what? No, just see, what happens is once a tree is removed, or the top of it's cut off, the root system, even if you have a you know the stump ground out, is going to stay there, and it's going to be viable, but it's going to start imploding slowly. And as it implodes, then that binds up nutrients and moisture both, so something new is going to have a difficult time. And in, particularly with certain trees, there's a lot more root systems. So it's kind of like growing uh, something on a hardwood floor. It's just going to be tough because there's so much wood there. And then you get the, like I say, the the root system starts rotting and then it heads downhill from there. But it sounds like if the root system would start rotting, it would actually become a kind of nutrient to the soil. But, but you're it, saying... Just the the once it's, let's say totally composted or turned into a mulch underneath the ground, yes. But the process of that happening takes several years. Oh, okay, okay. And that's what the problem is. Well, thank you. That's very good information. Well, great. Well, thanks. I'm glad I could help. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Yep, and I don't think we're going to be able to take another call, but uh, Larry, Keith, Mary, and Bunny will be talking to you after the news. Uh, One thing... uh, Just a little fact that I'll fill in the last few seconds that we have here. I like sweet potato potato chips, and the sweet potato is a member of the guess what kind of family. It's in the same family as the morning glories. Can you imagine the sweet potatoes and morning glories are in the same family together? But anyway, there's like a lot of different kinds of... uh, Varieties, genera, and uh, species in this uh, morning glory family. And the sweet potato is like been around for a long, long time. So, anyway, hang in there and I'll talk to you after the news. 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and it's always good to see you, and uh, he's a great news person. Anyway, this is the KMOX Garden Hotline second hour, which is the tip of the trowel. Special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. 
And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to the plant world, well, you can just give us a call. We've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, then we can talk about it. And the tip of the trowel goes out to just the world kind of in general. It's really kind of amazing how we're able to have plant materials grow. Yes, we do have some problems and certain things are not doing as well as they possibly could, but still it's just absolutely, absolutely amazing. And uh, just like today when I took my good gardening stroll in Tower Grove Park, Thanks to Henry Shaw for, you know, having Tower Grove Park become a reality. As I said earlier, Tower Grove Park was really set up when Henry Shaw started the Botanical Garden as a farm area so he could grow crops so he could have food. That shows you way back when he was starting this whole thing that there was a lot of things that were not quite developed like they certainly became even just 20 years after he's, you know, started the Tower Grove Park circumstance. So Henry Shaw gets a tip of the trowel from me. And, uh, oh, and thanks for inviting me on your show where we can discuss all kinds of different things, plants for specific locations. How are your annuals doing? Hopefully you're still continuing to fertilize, continue to fertilize all the way probably through um, maybe – Early September, I wouldn't bother fertilizing too much after that because it's not going to make that much difference as far as their performance. But the annuals this year, some of them has, have been just you know, striking. Same with the summer bulbs. I mean, uh, the daffodils, well, those are the spring ones. No, we're not talking about those. We're talking about elephant ears and cannas and caladiums and that type of bulb. They are, I mean... I've just been shocked at how big some of them have gotten. And like with cannas, understand that you can have cannas that can grow to seven feet high, but generally the ones that are going to be taller are going to do less flowering. So if you want to have the cannas for the foliage, that's great. You can get the taller ones, but just understand that if you get the shorter ones, you're going to have a lot more flowering with those particular things. So we can just talk about whatever you want. You know, Japanese beetles. I've got a list of plant material that the Japanese beetles uh, kind of stay away from. And that then I'll give some tips on what to do as far as controlling them because they're, they can be a real hassle. So just keep that in mind. And please remember my comments and opinions is not the only garden path to take for success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And... Andrew's here. No, his name's not Andrew. His name is Drew. <laughs> his real name is Andrew, though. But anyway, Drew's here. He's producing the show, so he pushes the buttons. He answers the phone. So when you call, he just needs your first name, and then he'll put it up on the caller screen. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And if you'd like for me to come to your home and do a site evaluation and consultation, Call the Walk and Talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and that's where my email address and phone number. So today's tip of the trial 
as I said before, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And again, it goes out to uh, Henry Shaw for pulling that land and separating it and keeping it so we could have a Tower Grove Park. And just that is just an amazing park. I mean, Forest Park's great, but uh, Tower Grove Park's a little bit more subtle and uh, more my style, I guess I have to put it that way. So let's go over to Bunny's yard. Hi, Bunny. Oh, Mike. Go ahead. Mike, I bought a gardenia plant. I saved it from the shredder. I just got it, you know, a couple weeks ago. But it's starting to have yellow leaves. Right. That's not a good sign, is it? Well, if they're the lower leaves, there's not too much you can do. Gardenias really don't like it. Do you have it inside or outside? Outside. Yeah. So do you have it in the shade or in the sun? In the sun. Yeah. I would probably put it more in a shaded location. You know, I was going to bring it in the house because of all the bad weather. You know, I was afraid it was going to beat it up too badly. But I was afraid the air conditioning might shock it. So I didn't. So I left it out. And I was getting some blooms on it, but nothing ever materialized to a flower. Yeah. it. I mean, they're, they're just a really difficult plant to grow just in general. And particularly bringing it from any kind of let's say, production-type circumstance, greenhouse situation, to a home, whether you put it outside in the shade, outside, or anything else, or inside, they just don't like it. So Yeah, you know, a few years ago I did one, and it was beautiful, and I brought it in the house in the fall, and I had gardenias in January. Great. But, yeah. you know, that was a fluke. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess I expected the same thing now, but I'm not really getting any flowering flowers. So yeah, and I, I mean, if you would even go to the botanical garden right now, where they have the gardenias growing, I don't think you're going to see any flowers on them this time of year. Oh, okay. So just hold on and see what happens. I guess right. I don't exactly, know. but I would I get it out of it. In, but I was afraid the air conditioning would, you know, maybe wouldn't be good. I don't know. Yeah, but I would get it out of the direct sun because you can get some sunburn on it. Oh, see, and I only saw my dad and it's full of sun, so I don't know. Give it an umbrella. Okay. <laughs> okay, and I want to ask you about when can I start trimming my holly bush and my boxwood? Uh, you probably... I would say wait until the weather starts cooling down a little bit. So wait, uh, you know, and when you realize when you do that with your holly, if it's a a holly, if it's a female that's going to have some berries or if it's a male that's going to produce the, you know, the flowers to pollinate the female, you could eliminate the ability to have any kind of berries on them. Uh, So just keep that in mind. But I would wait until the weather cools down probably, meh, Maybe 1st of September, I wouldn't prune before then. Okay, just let it go. They're wild because, you know, with the rain and they're just, yeah, wild. But I I thought you were going to tell me to wait. Don't do it now. Right. It's just too hot and you could get some sunburn on it. And so just wait for, you know, let's say six weeks. Yes, folks, let's head over to Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. 
Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, uh, I have a, it's a Catawba tree, has a long cigars on it. Uh-huh. And I usually get the black worms off of it, but I haven't been able to get any this year. Does anybody have any Catawba trees with those black worms on them? Hmm. You know, not that I'm, you know, aware of myself. So if somebody does, they can, you know, kind of give us a call. So, Yeah, s- I would appreciate it. I, I can give you my phone number later or right now. I don't care. Okay, you can go ahead. Okay, it's uh, 314-581-3951. And if anybody has any of those, I call them cigar trees, uh, just give me a call and I will come down and take them off your hands. All right, great. Thank you very much. Certainly. Uh, bye. And now let's go to Jeannie's. Hi, Jeannie. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And I had a question about keeping weeds out of rocks. We have some uh, area around the pool where we have a lot of rocks on the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a problem with the weeds coming up on a regular basis. I'm wondering if, can you put down preen and rocks like the Merrimack gravel, I guess, is what we have. Can you sprinkle preen in there and it'll do any good or not? Or what could I do to keep these weeds from coming up every year? Yeah. Well, basically, the, it could be they could be perennial weeds, of course. But if they're mm-hmm. annual weeds, the preen will work. I mean, it will kill the seeds as they're germinating or any kind of a pre-emergent type circumstance. But through the you know, through the entire growing season, uh, you're probably going to just have to go after it with an you know once they start growing as uh, an herbicide. Okay. As opposed to All trying right. to stop them, you know, because the like I said, the per, the perennial weeds, the root system, they're not growing from seed; they're growing from the root system, and preens and pre-emergence stuff and you know. Herbicides like that only kill newly germinated seed. They don't kill perennial weeds at all. Mm, okay. All right. And can you use preen at any time throughout the year? Uh, I would read the label to make sure. Okay. Because, okay. I mean, sometimes you can put it out there, but if you if the, the weed seeds that you're getting, I mean, if they're, again, coming up from the root system— let me let me go step back a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. when the gravel was put down, was there any kind of barrier put below the gravel, like a landscape fabric? A, yes, there was. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what that means is that indicates that you probably don't have a whole lot of perennial weeds because the perennial weeds would be coming up, you know, and the barrier would stop them. So these are weed seeds that are blowing in or coming in on the bottom of people's shoes or feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or birds mm-hmm. are bringing them in, something like that. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because I was trying to figure that out. If that uh, barrier is down, the the landscape barrier or right. the weed barrier is down. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's helpful. Thank you. And then I had one other question, sure. if you can take it. Um, so I have some liriope in a flower bed and. I've had it there for quite a few years. It's very large. It's getting too large, I guess. So the 10 plants that I had out there now, I, I need to uh, I get rid of some of them. So should I remove, like, some of them and just let the large ones stay? Or 
is it better to um, divide some of the larger ones and then just remove from there? Does does that make sense? Am I being clear on how to clean some of these out? Yeah. Do I need to divide the yeah. liriope? Well, you know, there's two different varieties of liriope. One's a clump grower. Mm-hmm. And then there's one that's an aggressive, more or less ground cover that sends rhizomes underneath the ground and then, you know, fills up. But, you know, if these are clump growing type, they're, I mean, unless they've been in for a long time, they really shouldn't be, you know, that massive yet. I don't know how much space you put, yeah. had between them or not. Or Maybe I didn't put enough space. I wanted some space between, and now I have more. They are clump growing, and they are okay. the variegated variety. Okay. So it's just there. There, it's just I'm getting too many. So I just want to kind of clean them up and remove some. But I was just going to remove a couple of the plants, and then I was thinking maybe I needed to actually divide them if that maybe they want to be divided or something. No, you could just dig up individual plants just to make some more space in between the ones that will remain. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I probably, you know, sort of live with it as it is. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'd probably do it. uh, And, you know, it's probably sometime in September. Okay. All right. Appreciate the help. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's go to Maryland's. Hi, Maryland. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a quick. I received a gift uh, of a plant for my birthday. It's called Amanda Villa. Right. And I I looked it up on the makers manufacturers website, and they don't even tell me how to take care of it. The tag <laughs> on it doesn't tell me if it's tropical, what zones it's good for. It looks tropical, but I have no idea. What do I do? Yeah, it is tropical. So it's basically okay. an annual vine that should produce quite a few flowers during the growing season. But it won't last outside all winter, right? No, it won't. In the ground? Especially not with your dog. I have, I have to find a pot to <laughs> put it in with a trellis so that I can bring inside that. Exactly. And then okay. bringing it inside, right. it's not really going to like it, so surviving inside is going to be difficult. Okay, so it might just be a... More like an annual. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Okay, all right, good. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. (laughs) And (laughs) the dog had a question too, but I guess didn't get a chance to answer or ask. Joan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mike. I have a question about lavender. I bought a plant about a month ago, looked healthy. I put it on the west side in a well-drained area next to some thyme and coneflower and in two weeks it looked like it just disintegrated it didn't turn yellow it just even from the center it looked like it turned brown so it was probably just when you pulled it out of the pot did you shake the you know the potting soil off of it to to loosen up the root system well, I thought I did. I okay. that's kind of a habit. Yeah, so it sounds like you know what you're doing because you had the other herbs growing. It just probably was, uh, you know, a plant that just wasn't all, even though it looked healthy to you, and obviously you know about the plants, so you picked a healthy-looking one, but it probably, you know, just wasn't healthy. 
Oh. Well, what it does it? Uh, how would you treat a lavender? What did I, I, I? It didn't turn yellow like it was overwatered. It just right. It just didn't get acclimated. You know, I loved it at the nursery or wherever you bought it, but uh, bringing it into the let's say reality of a home landscape, it just wasn't yeah. able to do it. And now you bought it like a month ago, so that was pretty intense. Yeah far as temperature wise and stuff in the future i'd probably get them a little bit earlier maybe sometime as as soon as they start showing up in the garden center so probably uh-huh. in early to mid-may and get yeah. them planted at that time uh-huh okay because i bet All if right. you if you go out and try to lift it up it'll be just like a, a bottle or a, you know wine bottle cork it's just going to come up out of the ground and never got any kind of root system growth whatsoever okay well i'll try to tickle the roots more next time i get one okay <laughs> okay good luck 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 we have some phone lines open this is the st louis composting garden hotline with mike miller on the voice of st louis kmox back to the phones we go and let's head over to linda's yard hi linda Good morning. Good morning. Um, in in April, I planted a ten foot maple tree, and it had one of those poles um, wound attached to it to hold it upright and straight. Mm-hmm. And so it's been in the ground for three months, and I'm wondering when will it be safe to remove that pole? How tight is a pole? Uh, we loosened the straps okay. on it, yeah, so it wouldn't bind the tree. Right, because that's you know that was going to be my concern. If it's too tight, then that could cause more damage than it does good. You could, uh, you know, I would probably leave it for a full year. So, to, you know, when we come out of oh. uh, winter time next spring, just take it out at that time. Wow. Why? Well, just uh, in case we do have some screwy winds or something like that. So just to just to kind of stabilize the whole thing, so the root system can get better established. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. I mean, you can take it out, but uh, why not just leave it for a full season? And uh, like I said, as long as it wasn't too tight on the trunk, then you should be okay. And ten foot high—that's gonna. I mean, that has a pretty large root system, but still, why not let it get better established by leaving the pole in place. And let's see what's going on with Richard. Hi, Richard. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, This week, early in the week, we had about a half-hour hailstorm. And my ears just look shredded. My canis fared a little better, but the ears just look awful. I just am not going to be able to look at them things all summer. Yeah. If I cut the ears off, will that encourage new stems to come up from the ground? It's a, you know it's going to be weather dependent whether they will. You should still get some more new growth. You're talking about the elephant ears, right? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. So uh, it may be a little bit late, but I would go ahead if it's you know if they're all shredded and everything else. That's not really going to help help them the overall health of the bulb. You know, obviously, you know. That it's a you know summertime thing that you have to dig up out of the ground. Although I left a couple in the ground myself this past winter and they made it through fine. But uh, 
anyway, I would go ahead and just cut them and then uh, not worry too much about it. Should I cut the leaf off at the top of the stem or should I go ahead and take the stem all the way down? Oh, take the stem because the stem doesn't do anything. I see. I see. Okay. Wish me good luck because this looks awful. (laughs) Well, sorry about the hail. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah, that can really do some damage for sure. And let's see what's going on with John. Hi, John. Hi, how are you, sir? Good. Listen, uh, just want to kind of put a barrier between me and my neighbor. And I heard bamboo really is a nice barrier, but I've heard it's pretty aggressive and invasive. And I'm wondering how hard it is to control once I get it in there. And uh, is there a particular variety you would recommend over another? Well, the one that's going to be most effective, but it is very invasive and aggressive, is the the Golden Groove bamboo. And it gets about uh, 8 to 10 feet high, maybe even a little bit taller. But uh, for the first two years, you're going to think, well, this is not very aggressive. But that whole time, it's sending underground root systems, and then it's going to start exploding. And then it can be – it's really tough to control as far as its aggressiveness going into your neighbor's yard, into various parts of your yard – and this is from my own personal experience. When I worked at the Botanical Garden, I dug up some golden groove in the Japanese garden when I was helping them with a, a seasonal-type thing, even though I worked in the woodland garden. I planted it in my parents' yard in Ellisville. And it just, first few years, as I said, didn't do much. But then it exploded and just kept going and going and going. So... Then every year for uh, Father's Day, my father requested that I dig up a bunch of it. Uh, maybe I'll have my daughter give it to you, then I'll have request her to dig it up. <laughs> you could do that. Okay. Okay. If, I, if I just, like, uh, mow around the edges of it, will that, you know, when the new shoots come up, will that keep it under control? Well, it will aesthetically, but it's still, the root system is going to continue to go, so... You know, you just have to kind of watch out as far as uh, because it's going to be kind of like asparagus when it comes up out of the ground. And Mm -hmm. so it's going to be soft tissued, but you just got to stay right. Stay on top of it. If you don't, it's going to be a nightmare. And I guess once you get it, get rid of it. Good luck. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. well, that that pretty much tells me what I need to know. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, so bamboo is uh, it's some tough stuff. Now, there are some clump-type bamboos, but if you're really trying to screen something, the clump-type uh, probably maybe six feet, maybe seven feet at the most, and it's a slow process to get to that height. So just kind of keep that in mind. Just go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot.org, and then see which varieties that they have. And also finding the clump-type you know, at a garden center is going to be a little bit difficult where the golden groove is going to be available in more garden centers than the clump type. And let's go into Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I have I have a stand of clover in my side yard and my front yard. Uh, I went to a hardware store and got some Roundup for uh, clover, and you hook it up to your hose and spray it on. Right. Uh it worked really good. I mean, until I got done, and then I finally read the directions, and it said, uh, "Don't use over 90 degrees, 
and there's a, an amount you're supposed to put on. Why oversprayed? And now it looks really good. It's fast to your grass, and all the clover's gone. Is this something I can go ahead and do on my front yard, which is my pride and joy, or should I wait until fall? Uh in the heat of the summertime, I just watch out about any kind of herbicide. So just be cautious of that. Okay. So okay, I was, that's what I But, the, you know, the problem with waiting too, you know, into the fall, things start slowing down. So sometimes the herbicides are going to be less effective. But let's say mid to late August, that's probably when I'd give it a uh, shot. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Yep. And now let's see what's going on with Gene. Hi, Gene. Hello, Gene. Are you there? Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Guess not. And let's see what's going on with Diane then. Hi, Diane. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I normally trim the shrubbery around my house late spring, and I did not do that this year. Uh, is it bad to do it when it's so hot? Yes. <laughs> it may be okay, but you may end up with some sunburn on the foliage that's remaining. So, in other words, you've cut the tips off. It's been used to the the intense you know, sun and everything else. Then those are removed, then the, the needles or the leaves and everything that were shaded by the tips that have been removed, you know, are gone now, so you could get some sunburn look. So wait till fall. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. My pleasure. But- and let's see what's going on with Mike. Hi, Mike. 
Mike, hi. Uh, I might be uh, hi, Mike. I might be in the small minority, but I kind of like a little full roof in my yard. Yeah, I grew up with it. You know. Sure. So is that uh, is that horrible? No, not at all. A lot of times when people have difficulty with lawns and circumstances, I you know I've actually recommended them using Dutch white clover because right, you can buy right. the and seed and you get the inoculant. And it's, I mean, it's a good, it's a good carpet. It's only people that, uh, you know, want, let's say, the classic type lawns that uh, really don't like the clovers. I know. And uh, in my backyard, which and we have a dog and stuff, and it's not, you know, it, I'm the only one that basically sees it. It's not that good, but I we don't want to put all the killer down. I do a little bit, but, and I don't have to have the perfect lawn, but, you know, clover, I still, I mean, and uh, I'm just, because it, it's, probably better for a lot of things if it's you know i don't mean growing whatever but so anyway um yeah plus it's a lot easier to do it like that, you aren't you know? kidding yeah okay thanks for your time sure my pleasure yeah and clover can be used to actually enrich your soil because it does capture nitrogen and then stores it up into the root system so it's going to make them it makes them healthier themselves but ultimately it can make your ground better if you want to go ahead and try to convert it back into the pure lawn, because I've got a stand of clover, in, you know, in my landscape too, and sometimes I get aggravated with it and uh, kind of go, uh, but I just kind of leave it. <laughs> and now let's see what Gene. How are you? Hello. Hi. Hi. I was on hold like fifteen minutes, and my phone's on the table, and I could hear you call me, but. I don't know what happened, oh. <laughs> but I'm here. Great. Um, my question is, I my lands. Can you hear me? Uh huh. My landscape out front is almost 22 years old. I'm taking it out, but where do I take like trees and things that you're disposing of? Where do you go with that? Well, you can take it to St. Louis Composting. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I mean, heard, they do I charge. Yeah, they will charge, you know, for dropping off. But uh, sure, you can take it to any of the locations. Perfect. Just for the corner of the house, what do you suggest uh, to plant there? Well, it's a little tough, you know, exposure-wise and everything else. So it's kind of what noon and evening, hot sun. <laughs> don't put anything too close to the house let's put it that way and then you've got, there's plenty of different things that you can put in a you know a location like that okay i was thinking maybe a dogwood or i like crepe myrtles crepe myrtle would be fine just again don't put it too close to the house right exactly because they do get big and tall right is there any other anything besides that you suggest? Well, if you want something that blooms in the springtime, you could do lilac. I have a few backs. Yeah, I have a huge one in my backyard. Oh, do you? So you don't want another yeah. one? Well, I wouldn't mind. So anything else? Well, I mean, there's lots of different. You could, I mean, there's even, let's say, exotic varieties of sumac. Which could oh. take that heat. Okay. I've got one that, you know, and you could go to uh, several different places and see them that uh, kind of have a yellowish foliage as opposed to, the, say, the classic green sumac look. Okay. Sounds good. 
All right. Good luck with that. And, I mean, there's witch hazel. There's there's several different things that you could grow. I mean, there's really hundreds. But anyway, so 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. A question for you, sir. Uh, you were discussing the white, uh, the Dutch white clover. Right. Can I put that down in the fall, or is that strictly in the spring? No, you can do it in the fall. Excellent. Just make sure that Excellent. when you get the seed, that it has been inoculated. And what that does, that inoculation coats the seed, and it causes it to actually germinate. All right, inoculated. Right. I will do that. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And now let's see what's from Randy's. Let's go to Bob's. Hi, Bob. It's, uh, is, that, is that me, uh, Mike? As far as I know, if your name's Bob. That's me. Okay, listen, I've got, I live in San Luis Hills, and uh, we had a sycamore tree taken out about three years ago. And uh, now I've got a big dead patch, and that uh, was between the street and the sidewalk. Okay. And we have, now we have a, a dead patch. Uh, it, it formed about two years ago. That climbed into my yard, and last year I, I uh, put new sod down, or new uh, dirt down, and seeded it, and it came back real nice. Well, this year it died again, and uh, it's probably ten by three, and, I'm, and I have a feeling that it's uh, it's because of a dead, uh, uh, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? It's, uh, a remnant from the from the tree. Yeah, it's all the root system. So the root system, exactly. you know, is still there. It's imploding, and the the through this whole process, it's just going to cause uh, you know, you're going to have great difficulty to try to get to any kind of anything, especially lawn to grow there. Initially, it's going to come up, going to germinate. It's going to be somewhat successful, but it's not going to survive. So you got another couple of years before you're going to get some good adequate grass. To grow in wow. this location. Okay. okay. I can't. Can I dig up that root? Or the, I think it's a big root. Yeah, it is. No, you can't. <laughs> okay. You'd be crazy it's to try to dig it up because I mean yeah, it's. Right. It just takes a moment, you know, depending upon the health of the tree and everything else, and even if the tree was dying, it's the root system's got to implode entirely before it's going to stop, you know, causing problems for getting any kind of lawn to grow. And not just lawn, lots of different things as well. And now let's head over and see what's going on with Dave. Hi, Dave. Oop. Guess Dave gave up. We won't be able to take another call. Here's some plant materials. The Japanese beetles are starting to show up. And realize that Japanese beetles, as larvae, they're one of the things that are grubs in your lawn. So just keep, you know, keep that in mind. So grub control can, it won't eliminate moles, realize, because earthworms are the main mole food. But still, that's one way to keep Japanese beetles under control. And uh, some of the plants that the Japanese beetles don't do a whole lot of damage to uh, several maples, boxwood, uh, dogwoods, Euonymus, you know, the burning bush and all those, the evergreen ones as well, butternut, tulip trees. Most of the oaks they don't do any kind of damage to, but they do damage to like several different things, and it's some of the things that kind of caught me by surprise. Japanese beetles 
are fond of certain weeds. And one of the weeds that they eat is poison ivy. And smartweed, smartweed is something that's uh, blooming right now with uh, pink flowers. And they also like wild grapes. So if you can eliminate those from your landscape, or that will help keep the Japanese population down. And then once you do have them, the best thing to do is just shake them off in the early morning because they're a little bit sluggish and just get them into a buck of soapy water and then they're going to be gone. But it's a nightmare if you have the Japanese beetles. So Japanese beetles, just check it out uh, online to see what they look like. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. Enjoy the cool day. The sky looks perfect and the sun is very bright. See you next week. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.